Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 Jack and Michael with you, uh, coming from the Victorian Pride Centre studios, and um, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Drink Limits, which is a program um, that Thorn Harbour Health uh, operates out of, I believe, their alcohol and other drug... Um, Therapeutic services, I, I believe it falls under. Um, and to do just that, we've got uh, a woman from the AOD team to speak about it. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Um, so I guess to get us started, can you tell us a little bit a little bit about your role at Thorn Harbour Health? Sure. So I've been working at Thorn Harbour Health for about seven years now um, as a drug and alcohol counsellor with the LGBTIQ community and people living with HIV. So anyone can access our service if they feel like they have um, something they want to discuss around their substance use issues, if it's feeling unmanageable for them. And, yeah, we can do an assessment and see whether our service will be the right fit for them. I, I guess Drink Limits is certainly not the only program that um, Thorn Harbour uh, offers. Um, I, I guess, can you give us uh, a brief overview of what Drink Limits is and what uh, would be involved uh, in that process for um, anyone looking to attend and who might be uh, recommended, I guess, to attend? Sure. So Drink Limits was formed, I think, in about 2014, um, which came out of the SWASH report, which was done by um, ACON in Sydney, which sort of discovered that... Um, lesbian and bisexual women were having high um, alcohol use compared to the broader population. And this also is backed up by um, the Alice study, which um, Dr Ruth McNair did in 2014 here in Victoria. And so from that, also there were mental health um, issues raised around isolation and, yeah, with problematic alcohol use. And it wasn't because uh, uh, lesbian and bisexual women were um, doing this because they were going out drinking. It was more that uh, it was because they were isolating and feeling disconnected. And hence, the thought of bringing a group together um, where people could share their experience and, and learn some other strategies. And this is where Drink Limits was sort of born. And um, because they are finding it really hard to access this client group. Um, lesbian and bisexual and queer women weren't accessing services for the support that was needed. So, yeah, we were lucky to get some funding to start running drink limits. And, um, yeah, so that's a bit of the history. And now I've forgotten your question. <laughs> I've just gone back into, I, I, into the history I, I, the, where the, drink limits came from. The history is, I think, important. Um, I, I, I'm happy to kind of dive a little bit more into kind of what some of the big takeaways of those studies were. But for now, I mean, 
what is, um, I guess, from your perspective, say, um, what is it like to actually run those um, th- those uh, programs, workshops? How, how would you best describe it, I guess? Well, it's a therapeutic group. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very clear format. Um, and we're all very lucky, and I've been very lucky and privileged to be running this group um, for about oh, six years now and develop a manual on how to run it, which we've also shared with ACON, and they have actually started running this group as well. So, um, yeah, it's an eight-week program, it's, um, and it uses different modes of support and learning. So we have art therapy, we're using CBT, which is cognitive behaviour therapy, DBT, which is dialectical behaviour therapy. Um, we're very relational in the way we work, so it's very much working um, in this space where we try and really support um, people's lived experience and, and, and um, sharing vulnerabilities. We use mindfulness, but the overarching theory, I suppose, is the stages of change model is to work where people are at. So people accessing the group um, don't need to be abstinent. Um, it, all the requirement really is for them to be wanting to have a look at their relationship with alcohol and and wanting to try and change that in some way. And, and so we'll work throughout the program with some goals, um, developing skills and strategies like relapse prevention, looking at triggers, um, anxiety and high-risk situations and really getting a, a sort of... The most amazing thing when running this group is with the participants is they just suddenly go, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> oh, I'm, I understand what you're talking about when people share their experience. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a really exciting group to run. I feel really inspired each time I turn up to run the group because it's a hard thing to do is to step in and say I need some help. Hmm. I, I guess... Quickly on, because um, you mentioned as part of the the group, um, you mentioned art therapy, CBT, DBT. I guess for people who aren't um, necessarily aware of what those individually, um, I guess what the goals of those kinds of therapy are. Can you give a, a, I guess, a brief overview of art therapy, CBT, and DBT? Sure. I mean, the reason we've got all of those different ways of. Um, in a way disseminating information or accessing support for, for, the, for the learnings in the group because um, individuals will learn different, in different ways. So sometimes writing things down is useful, sometimes having a lecture is useful, sometimes using um, a more cognitive way of thinking of things, which is more CBT, um, is more useful. So... Yeah, the reason we have all of these different types of ways of um, working in the group means that hopefully we can reach everyone because um, art therapy is not for some people, but it is for others. Mm. And so an art, I'll give you an example of an art therapy process we run, which might be there's, you know, oh, I don't even know how many, maybe a hundred different photographs that we'll put all around the room. And a question might be asked, such as, you know, um, why do you drink, you know, and pick, go and pick two cards. So it's very, a very open expression. It's a very individual process. And so people get to pick two cards that represent that from them and then they can speak from those cards into the group. Um, so it's a, it's a useful way to 
open conversation or to support conversations um, using an art art therapy model. Mm. Um, and dialectical behaviour therapy, we just use a snippet of that. Um, it's a very big theory, um, but we use sort of um, skills around distress tolerance. So when you feel heightened and, you know, this can be something that um, our participants experience and want to go and drink, we, you know, these um, distress tolerance skills may reduce that so that you can be more choiceful and not, not go and have that drink. So that's a more practical um, way of developing new strategies. Yeah. In terms of um, people getting to the stage whereby they might engage with something like drink limits, um, how difficult can it be for people to realise that their alcohol and other drug use um, has become unmanageable or is becoming problematic for them? How difficult can that be for people? Oh, that's so individual. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Are, there, are there any common themes or common signs that people, when they turn up to something like a drink limits, um, will will put forward as kind of the the reason that they decided that, you know, something like drink limits might be for them? Well, usually when someone reaches out um, and makes that call, um, yeah, there is a precipitating thing that has occurred that means I'm wanting something to change and it's so different for each person. Um, But they're usually, you know, that's one of the first things, uh, you know, I might ask, you know, in individual work is why now? What's happened in your life that has brought you to this? And not in a judgmental way, it's just more Mm. of an interesting way of like, you know, um, what, yeah, what's happened in your life that you're now going, okay, this needs to change so we can support that change. Um, So it's very, it's in a very individual um, process um, why someone ends up um, seeking that support. Is it? Um, There can be, you know family breakdown, there can be a loss of jobs, Mm. there there can be none of that. And I think that's the thing is, um, you know, family might see it as a problematic um, uh, substance use, but the person individually might not. So it depends on the motivation as well. I guess before, like, in the instance that you don't have people coming to you with, um, say, that sort of, like, things need to change moment, right? Like, if there were... um, like, what are some of the signs that potentially alcohol use is could be getting out of hand for some people if, if some people are, like, listening and don't think that it's, oh, well, it hasn't, you know, th- th- there's no need for an intervention at this point potentially, but um, what are maybe some of the signs that that alcohol use could be an issue down the road, I guess? Oh, well, I think if it starts impacting um, impacting different aspects of your life, um, if you're thinking about it a lot more, you're worried um, about your use and you're not sure, even that would be good to check in, <laughs> you know, check in with someone, um, you know, what what feels okay. Because mm. I, I suppose the thing is, is what do you classify, and I'm doing inverted commas for everyone, <laughs> as problematic. So some, some people might find just two glasses of wine a night problematic. Um, um, for them, and so from where I'm sitting, then I take that seriously. That that's a problem for you, and you want to reduce that. So let's work with that. Whereas some people might drink a bottle of wine a night and not find that problematic. So yeah, it's really working where the person is at. 
Um, I don't think I've answered your question properly. No, 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 no. no. I, I, I totally feel like uh, that, that was um, pretty much where the question was going. Drink limits um, is sort of more specifically for um, lesbian and queer women. Uh, I, I guess what are some of the strategies that people um, – could take away from the program? I mean, we mentioned some of the ways that you're able to help people through art therapy and, and, and CBT and DBT and using, I believe you said, stages of change model. Um, what are some yeah. of the strategies people actually take away from those approaches? Well, I suppose, you know, first and foremost, most of, you know, in, in week one, we sort of look at goals um, and what that looks like for people in the eight-week program. And... And so, in a way, what they take away will be connected to those goals that they each individually identify. Um, so they'll, you know, usually there'll be a relapse prevention plan, um, you know, a support to to keep the behaviour they're wanting to change in place longer term. So, um, you know, that'll include multiple different types of strategies, and we we sort of. Utilise the group to brainstorm that, and that's the beauty of group work. Is when you're doing that individual counselling support, I think it's really that's really important as well. But in a group process, you get to hear all these different varied ideas and ways that you can manage um, maybe a craving or um, or a trigger um, from all the different participants. And some, so, you know, that is just gold in you know that you can take away because you know. Sometimes you wouldn't even think that that's something you could do, that, that strategy or that support. So, yeah, hopefully by the end of the, you know, the program, people get to, I mean, people talk about taking a toolbox with them. They get all of these different resources and supports and hopefully they might actually even make connections in the group so that they have that peer support afterwards around, oh, this is you know, this is something I want to commit to longer term and they might have some peers that they can talk to about that after the group finishes up. Yeah. Um, does the the program's obviously called Drink Limits for a reason, um, but does Drink Limits um, address the potential for people to be combating not just um, drinking but also, you know, perhaps poly drug use or the ways that alcohol and maybe other drugs are connecting for them? Mm. Definitely. Uh, but the main focus is alcohol use. Um, so uh, we would um, we would sort of acknowledge other drug use, you know, substance use. It's, it's all sort of usually a similar um, comes from a similar place of trying to support yourself in the world, and you've learnt this way of using this substance in some way and then it sort of gets stuck that you don't know any other way. Um, so, but the main focus would be on alcohol and, um, you know, in the assessment when we do it, we sort of do an intake and assessment process that's um, hopefully not too arduous for people. But we, you know, we get to um, talk to each individual about their use, what they use, how they might manage themselves in the group. Um, yeah. So we'll get we, we before we start the group we have an understanding of what people's um, substances are and how we can focus the group in that way. The program falls under Thorn Harbour's health uh, Thorn Harbour Health's portfolio of therapeutic services. Um, I guess because there are therapeutic services, um, there are a number of different I guess peer support groups that um, still address 
people struggling with identity, substance use, etc. I guess, can you speak about some of the differences between um, what people maybe might notice going into a therapeutic group compared to um, something, I guess... Like a peer workshop. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, sure. Well, a therapeutic group is um, run by um, sort of experts, um, professionals in the field, and it has a very strong, in, in a way, educational component as well. Um, and it runs for a specific period of time. Um, with, with sort of outcome and goal orientation in that. So, yeah. And I suppose I also want to just say around drink limits before I go into the peer aspect of that question is the drink limit is actually a closed group. So, which means that once uh, we've taken all of the um, inquiries and people are, are going to start working in that group, we sort of don't let new members into the group um, after week two which means that, you know, we can develop some safety in the group, um, some something that it becomes known and participants can then sort of share um, hopefully um, more safely and more vulnerably their experience, um, which might support them in their recovery process, um, which might be different to a peer-based peer group. So a peer-based group might be more ongoing. It's, um, it's usually facilitated by peers, it doesn't mean that peers aren't professional, but it's it's more, um, there's, there's more of a, I suppose, a shared process in, in the peer group setting space. Um, we have a few peer groups, um, Rewired 2.0 is one of them. We also have Admin, which is an alcohol and other drug um, peer group for um, the trans and gender diverse community. So yeah, those are ongoing where you can turn up and just share your experience and maybe talk about your goals for the week or for the fortnight. They're, they're based on a smart recovery model that we run. I, wonder, I, I guess you're able to kind of come at it from both a professional perspective but also as a queer woman, basically. How does that sort right. of change your experience and, and the experience of the people attending the group? I think it makes a huge difference. The, the, it creates a, a shared dialogue mm. straight away, a shared understanding and I think that's what's really significant about drink limits um, for um, lesbian and queer and bi women is is that it's a space where suddenly they don't have to explain themselves or edit or um, work out what what can be said and can't be said. Mm. Um, and that's why we really try early on to build this really strong sense of safety and what's going to be supported in the group, what can be talked about, what might be a trigger for people. Because by the third week, we go into things like um, sexuality and gender identity, um, alcohol and anxiety, and, and how those have played out for people in their lives. Um, to get a deeper understanding that, you know, alcohol isn't bad and neither is using it. It's just maybe it's been a support mm. when you haven't had other supports in your life. So yeah, um, it's it can be a really um, you know I feel quite um, I don't know I feel uh, deeply passionate about this group mm. um, because I've seen um, people have you know changed their lives really from finding a place where they can relax and talk about stuff that they haven't been able to talk about before because there's so much stigma. 
involved and they feel like maybe I can't tell my friends about this because, mm. um, you know, yeah, because of the stigma. They just won't get it, yeah. Um, you said you, that Drink Limits has been running for some time now. Um, is there an upcoming, I guess, um, oh. period oh. of, um, <laughs> like, like is, is there another, uh, I guess, group going to be running soon that people can uh, sign up for? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up in May, end of May, May 24, we, we actually um, changed during the pandemic. We changed to run the group um, during the day. And we did did in person and online because of one of the lockdowns. But that actually worked really well. So we're going to do that again this time. So it's run on a Tuesday, and it will be run from the Hoddle Street um, offices at Thorn Harbour Health um, from ten thirty till twelve thirty. And you know, if anyone's interested, even just listening to this, and you're going, oh, I don't know, just give us a ring and talk to myself. Um, I'm a warmer, or Julia, who's also the co-facilitator, or you can just ask for um, intake at therapeutic services. So you just ring 98656700 and just have a chat because we we'll just have a chat, see, see whether this might be the right fit for you or whether we can refer you anywhere else or, yeah, so I just encourage you to call. Fantastic. A warmer code uh, from the... Alcohol and other drug team at Thorn Harbour Health. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Well, Well, Well. Yeah, thanks so much, Jack, for having me. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy Sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.